Mrs. Piggy Wiggle's Magic by Betty MacDonald Chapter 1 Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's Magic Of course, the reason that all children in our town like Mrs. Piggle Wiggle is because Mrs. Piggle Wiggle likes them. Mrs. Piggle Wiggle likes children. She enjoys talking to them best of all. They do not irritate her. When Molly O'Toole was looking at the colored pictures in Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's big dictionary and just happened to be eating a candy cane at the same time and drooled candy cane juice on the colored pictures of gems and then forgot and shut the books so that the pages all stuck together, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle didn't say, Such a careless little girl can never ever look at the colored pictures in my big dictionary again. Nor did she say, you must never look at books when you are eating. She said, Let's see, I think we can steam these pages apart and then we can wipe the stickiness off with a little soap and water. Like this. Now see, it's just as good as new. There's nothing as cozy as a piece of candy in a book. Don't look so embarrassed, Molly. I almost drool every time I look at all those gems. Which one is your favorite? I think mine is the lapis lazuli. When Dickie Williams, who was showing off by riding his wagon with his eyes shut, crashed through Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's basement window and landed in the coal bin, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle laughed so much she had to sit down on the front steps and wipe her eyes with her apron. Dickie was awfully scared and was going to sneak out the basement door and go home. But Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, still laughing, leaned through the broken window and said, Hand me that putty knife and that can of putty off the shelf, and then go get me that pane of glass leaning against the wall over there by the furnace. Thank you very much. Now watch carefully, Dickie, because putting in window glass is something that every boy should know how to do, especially boys who ride wagons with their eyes closed. When Marilyn Matson who was helping Mrs. Pigglewiggle serve tea, dropped and broke her brown teapot and said, Well, that's the luckiest thing I've ever known. You didn't get a drop of hot tea on you, and you broke that nasty teapot with the leaky spout that I've hated for fifteen years. Tomorrow I'll go to town and buy a new one. I think I'll get pink. I am going to test the spout before I buy it, though. But what about tea? said Marilyn, wiping her eyes on her sleeve. Make it in the coffee pot, said Mrs. Pigglewiggle, and we'll call it toffee. Another nice thing about Mrs. Pigglewiggle when a child makes her a present, no matter how splotchy or crooked it might be, she uses it and keeps it where everyone can see it. Johnny Wilfred made her a vase out of a meat sauce bottle with such a little neck that only flowers with the stems like hairs would fit in it. Not only that, but he painted it a sort of bilious green, and the paint was too thick and ran down the sides in watery lumps. But Mrs. Pigglewiggle loves Johnny, and she loves the watery vase because Johnny made it for her, and she keeps it on the windowsill above the sink with at least one flower gasping for breath jammed through its little neck. Every time Johnny comes into the, her kitchen, he points proudly to the vase and says, Do you see that pretty vase over there on the windowsill? Well, I made it for Mrs. Pigglewiggle. 
didn't I, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle? When Susan Gray came staggering over with a plate of first cookies she had ever made for Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle didn't take one look at the tannish gray lumps and say, No, thank you. She said, Why, Susan Gray, you smart girl, eight years old and already making cookies? You're going to make somebody a very fine wife. Yeah, somebody with good teeth, said Herbert Prentice, who had taken one of the gray lumps and had found that trying to eat it was like biting on a stone. Mrs. Pigglewiggle took the cookie away from him and said, Oh, Herbert, these are a special cookie you did them. You dip them in hot tea and then take a bite. She hurried to the kitchen and made some hot tea, and then she and Molly and Herbert and Susan sat at the kitchen table and drank tea and gnawed at the stony cookies, which, in addition to being hard as rocks, tasted like glue because Susan had put in gravy coloring instead of vanilla. When Molly and Herbert made giggling motions at each other, Mrs. Pigglewiggle slipped them some ginger cookies under the table, and Susan was so proud that she didn't even notice. Julie Ward knitted Mrs. Pigglewiggle a scarf that was about ten yards long and two inches wide, and when Mrs. Pigglewiggle opened the box, she didn't say, My Julie, you must have had a giraffe in mind when you made this scarf. Instead, she said, you know, Julie, this is much too pretty to wear as a scarf and keep tucked inside my coat. I'm going to wear it as a sash. She took the long, dirty, blue, warmy look scarf and wrapped it around and around her waist and looped the end over, and it did look nice from a distance. Julie was so proud, she said, You know, Mrs. Picklewiggle, when I was making that scarf, I just thought to myself, now I'll make this longer, and when Mrs. Pigglewiggle can wear it as a belt, and that's how I got the idea. Of course, she hadn't really. What actually happened was that she knitted on the scarf every afternoon when she listened to the radio, and she just forgot to stop. Another wonderful trait of Mrs. Pigglewiggle's is the interest she has in listening to dreams. Now every child in the world loves to tell what he dreams, and if the dream doesn't seem to be quite long enough or interesting enough, sometimes some children work in old movies they have seen or stories their daddy had read to them the night before. Dream telling is an innocent pastime and very good for the imagination, but unfortunately dream telling usually occurs at breakfast, a time when daddies and mothers are slightly irritable and always in a hurry and in no mood for a long dream dreamt out story and then i was riding on the elephant and two indians came up and tried to shoot me but then uh 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 i turned into a walnut and dropped on the ground and uh uh this about this time mother says just let the dream go and finish your cereal or brother or sister will say Oh, you're just making that up. And anyway, it's my turn. Now I dreamed. Mrs. Pigglewiggle not only listens to dreams, she asks about them. Right after school, when the children come over to dig for treasure in her backyard, Mr. Pigglewiggle was a pirate, and when he died, he buried his treasure in his backyard. 
or to have tea or to play dolls. She'll say, anybody have any good dream last night? And they'll be off. Once Molly O'Toole dreamt she was a raisin and was eaten by a rat. Johnny Green dreamt that he was a pirate and lived in a whale. Herbert Prentice dreamed that he was an icicle and could freeze anyone he touched. Susan Gray dreamt that her dolls could come alive. And Larry Gray dreamt that he was a cowboy and had a white horse. Mary Lou Robertson dreamt that her covers were frosting and woke up with her mouth full of blanket. Kitty Wheeling dreamt that she was a movie star and had a real fur coat, and Patsy said that she dreamt that she was an electric toaster, and everybody said she was making it up. And Patsy cried, and Mrs. Pigglewiggle said she would help Patsy with her dreams. Some of their children's dreams are so long and dull and full of er, ah, uh, and uhs, that Mrs. Pigglewiggle finishes them off for them and says, that was the way it was, wasn't it, Bobby? Much to their evident relief. So you can see that loving children the way she does, Mrs. Pigglewiggle just naturally understands them, even when they are being very difficult, which is, of course, why all the mothers in our town call Mrs. Pigglewiggle whenever they are having trouble with their children. Mrs. Pigglewiggle always knows what to do, and then, of course, she has a big cupboard full of magic powders and pills and appliances to help her children's bad habits. Chapter 2. The Thought You Setters Cure Mr. Burbank absently reached from behind his newspaper for the sugar bowl. His groping fingers hit the toaster, the honeycomb, the salt cellar, and finally found the sugar bowl. His children, Darcy, Allison, and Bard, nudged each other and laughed. Every morning, Daddy felt around on the table for the sugar, while he read bad news in the newspaper. One morning, the news was so bad that he was so absent-minded, he put currant jelly in his coffee. The children were anxious for a repeat performance and hopefully pushed everything but the sugar in the path of his searching hand. This morning, as soon as Mr. Burbank had found the sugar, he let the paper down with a bang. The sugar bowl's empty, he said in an aggravated, hurt way. Mrs. Burbank, who was buttering toast, said, Darcy, run out to the kitchen and fill the sugar bowl, dearie. The sugar's in the red can. Darcy obediently got up, took the sugar bowl, and went out to the kitchen. After a long, long time, he came back to the breakfast table with a plate of cinnamon rolls. What are these for? his father said. And where's the sugar? Sugar, said Darcy. What about sugar? I told you to fill the sugar bowl, Mrs. Burbank said. Oh, said Darcy, I thought you said, get the cinnamon roll. All three children looked at each other and laughed loudly. Finally, Mr. and Mrs. Burbank laughed too. Darcy went out and filled the sugar bowl, and Mr. Burbank, after three cups of coffee, missed his bus and decided to walk as far as the school with the children. Just as they were going out the front door, Allison remembered her arithmetic book and dashed upstairs for it. In a minute, she leaned over the banister and called, Mother, did you see my arithmetic book? Mrs. Burbank said, What does it look like? 
Allison said, It's blue and not very thick. Mrs. Burbank say, said, I think it's on the table in the hall. Allison said, How did it get there? Mrs. Burbank said, Out where? I said, It's on the table in the hall. Allison said, Oh, I thought you said it was out in the stable in a stall. All three children roared with laughter. Allison found her arithmetic book, and they all left the house laughing and repeating, Out in the stable in a stall. Mr. Burbank said, Come on, come on, we have an all day. He walked briskly along the street, his footsteps ringing loudly and purposefully in the thin autumn air. The children giggled and jostled along behind him, their progress so uneven and broken by thought you said and shrieks of laughter that Mr. Burbank reached the corner first, in fact almost before they had left the yard. He stopped to wait for them and to survey the city spread out below him in the morning sunshine. He was glad he lived on a hill. He was glad he was alive. And he was glad he had a little boy nine and a little girl seven and a little boy six. When the children had caught up with him, he said, Look, children, see how beautiful the city looks from up here. Watch the, fro the fog rise over there. "'Where's the dog?' said Bard. "'What dog?' said Darcy. "'What color are the dog's eyes?' asked Allison. "'What on earth are you talking about?' said Mr. Burbank. "'I said, watch the fog rise over there.' "'Oh,' said Bard, "'I thought you said, watch the dog's eyes glare.' "'All the children laughed and laughed, and Mr. Burbank said, "'What nonsense!' But it was a beautiful morning, so he laughed with his light-hearted children. When they were halfway down the next block, the children suddenly stopped, stalked still in front of a pretty white house, and yelled in unison, Marilyn! Mary Lynn! Come on! We'll, we'll all be late! Mr. Burbank said, That's no way to do it. If you want Marilyn, go to the door and ask for her. The children looked surprised, but went obediently up to the door and rang the bell. Marilyn's mother opened the door and said something to the children, which seemed to send them in convulsions of mirth. Doubled over with laughter and holding their sides, they came down the walk to their father. "'Now what's so funny?' Mr. Burbank asked. Darcy said, "'Marilyn's mother said Marilyn fell in the toaster and is burnt up dead.' Mr. Burbank said, what did Marilyn's mother really say, and why is Marilyn not going to school? Allison said, She said, Marilyn fell in her coaster and hurt her head, and Darcy thought, she said, Marilyn fell in the toaster and is burnt up dead. She went into another fit of laughter. Mr. Burbank didn't laugh. Instead, he bent down and examined Darcy's ears, which were large and pink and soft and quite clean. They should work, said Mr. Burbank, looking at other children's ears. They all seem quite normal. The children wanted to know what he was doing. Bard said, What are you doing that for, Daddy? Mr. Burbank said, I'm trying to decide whether I should get you an ear trumpet. Beer crumpet? What's that? Bard said. The other children repeated after him, Beer crumpet, beer crumpet, they all laughed. But Mr. Burbank who had had enough, said, Come on. 
I'll supervise a race to school. On your marks, get set, go! When Mr. Burbank reached his office, the very first thing he did was to call Mrs. Burbank. He said, Mary, have our children ever had scarlet fever? She said, Now you know they haven't, Bernard. Well, he said, have they ever had ear infections? Goodness, no, said Mrs. Burbank. They've never had anything. They are the healthiest children in the neighborhood. What's the matter? Mr. Burbank said, plenty. They can't even hear me when I'm talking in front of them. I told them to look at the fog rise, and they thought I was talking about a dog's eyes, and Marilyn's mother said that Marilyn fell off her coaster and hurt her head, and they thought she said Marilyn fell in a toaster and was burnt up dead, Mrs. Burbank finished for him. Bernard, did you ever hear of anyone falling in a toaster? Of course not. There's nothing wrong with our children's ears. It's just that they are going through the awful thought you said phase. Well, let's get them out of it, said Mr. Burbank. They sound like dopes, dogs, eyes indeed. Mrs. Burbank said, Don't worry, dear, I'll take care of it. As soon as she finished talking to Mr. Burbank, Mrs. Burbank called Marilyn's mother to find out about Marilyn, if she was badly hurt and if there was anything she could do. Marilyn's mother said Marilyn was just fine, but the doctor thought she should be quiet for a day or two. When Mrs. Burbank asked Marilyn's mother if she had ever had any trouble with thought you said, and told about the sugar bowl and the cinnamon rolls and the arithmetic book in the stable in a stall about Marilyn's fall in the toaster and the dog's eyes. Marilyn's mother said, Oh, Mr. Mrs. Burbank, I'm so glad you called and told me all this. You see, Marilyn has been going through the same thing all morning, and I was terribly afraid that the blow on her head had affected her mind. When I asked her if she wanted crumpets or toast, she said, Bumped on my nose, who? When I asked her if she had head pains, she said, I thought you said, is the bed painted yet? Mrs. Burbank said, I'm going to call up Mrs. Teagle and see if Terry or Teresa are thought you setters as well. She's such a good manager that if they have thought you setters, she's probably thought of a cure. Marilyn's mother asked Mrs. Burbank to call her back if she got any useful information and said goodbye. Then Mrs. Burbank called Mrs. Teagle. She told her all about the thought you setters and asked if she had any similar experience with Terry or Teresa. Mrs. Teagle said, Oh, mm, Mrs. Burbank. Mm. You see, we have always studied correct speech, and we always speak correctly. These children always pronounce all their vowels and their consonants, and therefore we never have any trouble understanding each other. Perhaps the trouble lies when you and Mr. Burbank pronounce you do not speak distinctly enough. Perhaps the poor little children cannot understand you. I am holding little speech classes every afternoon, and you and Mr. Burbank are interested. 
I would be glad to have you attend. I wouldn't care to have the children because I am afraid they might correct my children's perfect speech. Mrs. Burbank thanked Mrs. Teagle for her kind offer and told her that perhaps she was right, that she and Mr. Burbank would try to speak more distinctly, and if things didn't improve within the week, they might join the speech classes. Mrs. Teagle said, Glad to be of help any time, Mrs. Burbank, and hung up. That night, when Mr. Burbank came home, she told him about calling Mrs. Teagle and told him that she thought that from now on they should both speak more carefully so that their poor little children could understand them. That night at dinner, Mr. Burbank announced in a very loud voice, Please pass the butter. The children all exchanged glances and whispered, then laughed. The butter remained cool and comfortable on its little plate in front of Darcy. Mr. Burbank looked accusingly at Mrs. Burbank. She said in a high, natural voice, Children, listen to me. Please pass your father the butter. Oh, said Darcy. Did you say pass the butter? I thought you said, fleas gasp the mutter. Allison said, I thought you said, he's pa's mother. And Bard said, I thought you said, freeze Pat's brother. Mr. Burbank said in a low, grim voice, I said, please pass the butter. Darcy passed it to him with a beaming smile. The next morning, after breakfast, Mr. Burbank called from upstairs. Where's my briefcase? Anybody seen my briefcase? Allison said, Who's got a thief's face? Darcy said, Beef paste? What do you want that for? Bard said, Leaf race? I thought he said leaf race. They all laughed loudly and did not look for the briefcase. They could hear their mother and father banging doors and scuffling around upstairs, but they were so busy, thought you setting, they didn't even notice that Bard was standing in front of the briefcase, which was leaning against a radiator in the front hall. Finally, Mr. Burbank came running downstairs wild-eyed and almost too late for his bus. He called to Mrs. Burbank, If you find it, dear... Bring it right down to the office. I must have it this morning. He slammed the front door and ran like the wind for his bus. Mrs. Burbank was giving her children their final inspection before school when she saw the briefcase leaning against the wall right behind Bard's fat little legs. She said, Why, children, why didn't you tell Daddy his briefcase was down here? You must have seen it. Now I'll have to make a special trip all the way down to take it to him. Why didn't you tell him? She looked sternly at the three children. Allison said, Briefcase? I didn't know that's what he wanted. I thought he said, Thief's face. Darcy said, I didn't know he wanted his briefcase. I thought he said, Beef's paste. Bard said, I thought he said, Leaf race. Mrs. Burbank said, 
You know perfectly well that Daddy would talk about a thief's face like that. Beef paste or leaf races? That's just nonsense. And I'm getting good and tired of all this thought-you-said business. She sent them off to school with a little push and without a kiss. But the thought-you-said-its continued all the rest of that week. By Friday morning, Mr. and Mrs. Burbank were so irritable... They didn't even want to come downstairs and eat breakfast with the thought-you-setters. They tried to solve the problem by not speaking to the children, but of course the telephone rang and Mrs. Burbank said to Allison, Answer the phone. And Allison didn't move, and her father said, Answer the phone. And Allison said, Oh, answer the phone. I thought you said, This ham's got a bone. And Darcy said, I thought you said the dancers are home. And Bard said, I thought you said, uh, 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 jam's all alone. It was the last straw. Mr. Burbank said, this nonsense has got to stop now. I'm not going to eat another meal with the thought you saids. As soon as the children had left for school, and even before she washed the breakfast dishes, Mrs. Burbank decided that she must do something about the thought you setters. She poured herself another cup of coffee and sat down at the breakfast table and thought and thought. Old boy, the dog, came and sat beside her, and she gave him a little piece of ham and stroked his head and wondered and wondered what to do. She was just going to call Mr. Burbank's mother when the telephone rang again. Mrs. Burbank answered it. It was Mrs. Pigglewiggle, and she wanted the children to come for tea. Mrs. Burbank said, Oh, Mrs. Pigglewiggle, I'm so delighted that you called. I just was sitting here at the breakfast table wondering what in the world to do. And she told Mrs. Pigglewiggle about the thought you setters. Mrs. Pigglewiggle said, There's a regular epidemic of thought you said it's all over town. It really is a very harmless disease, but can be most annoying to parents, especially when they are trying to hurry. I have suffered with it myself this past week. Put on your shoes is thought you said sat on a fuse. Get me a tack is thought you said butter a cracker. And on and on. Fortunately, the cure is very simple. I have a magic powder which you sprinkle in the children's ear tonight. It will make their hearing so keen that they'll be able to hear a spider stamping across the floor. Leaves crashing to the ground, flowers snapping open their petals, and fireflies striking the matches that light their lanterns. I must warn you that tomorrow when children are wearing the magic hearing powder, you mustn't pop popcorn, run the vacuum cleaner, or serve dry, crunchy breakfast foods. Noise would be too painful for them. I'll send the powder over when the children stop by after school. You might lend a little to Marilyn's mother. Goodbye and good luck, said Mrs. Picklewiggle as she hung up the phone. After school, the children came rushing in to deliver the package that Mrs. Picklewiggle had given them and to change their clothes. Mrs. Picklewiggle's package contained a tiny little box of white powder. Mrs. Burbank felt the powder and smelled it. It felt like talcum powder, and it smelled like ginger. She put it under a pile of clean handkerchiefs in her handkerchief box. That evening, after the children were in bed, she told Mr. Burbank about it. 
He thought the magic powder sounded wonderful and decided to try a little on his own ears. Mrs. Burbank went up and got the bottle, and Mr. Burbank put a pinch in his left ear. Immediately he shouted, Turn off that terrible radio! It's killing me! Mrs. Burbank rushed and turned off the radio. Mr. Burbank said, It's thundering! We must be going to have a storm! Mrs. Burbank listened. She couldn't hear any thunder. She opened the front door and went out and looked at the sky. It was clear, dark blue, and spangled with stars. The night was as still and quiet as a picture. Mr. Burbank shouted, The storm's getting closer, almost overhead now. Mrs. Burbank came in and closed the door. She said, Bernard Burbank, it's a cold, clear, perfectly peaceful night. There is no thunder. Mr. Burbank said, Listen, don't you hear? It's deafening. That's what it is, deafening. Mrs. Burbank listened very carefully. Then she heard from the kitchen a soft, very faint thumping noise. She went out to investigate and found old boy, the dog, lying under the kitchen table, scratching and thumping his elbow on the floor. She gave old boy a dog biscuit and put him out. And then she went back to the living room and asked Mr. Burbank if the storm had passed. He said, Do you have to stamp your feet like that? You certainly must be getting fat. You sound like a coal truck when you walk. Mrs. Burbank, who was very slight, looked down at her soft red house slippers and said, Bernard, I think you had better wash that magic powder out of your ears because I'm going to go out right now and get some graham crackers and think of the torture you'll be under if I drop a crumb. Mr. Burbank said, Stop shouting. Mrs. Burbank said, I'm whispering, dear. So Mrs. Mr. Burbank went upstairs to wash it out of his ear. When he snapped on the light in the bathroom, he flinched because it sounded like a pistol shot. And when he turned on the faucet, it sounded like Niagara Falls. And when he accidentally brushed a hairpin off the windowsill, it sounded like a huge iron chain crashing to the tile floor. Mr. Burbank filled the bathroom glass with warm water. He had decided that that would be the best way to wash out the magic powder and was just about to pour some in his ear when from behind the bathtub he heard the most awful screaming, screeching, whining noise, he straightened up, put down the glass, and peered over by the bathtub. He didn't see anything. He bent down over the basin again and picked up the glass. He was just about to pour the warm water in his ear when the terrible screaming, squealing noise came again, and this time right by his head. Mr. Burbank was so scared he dropped the glass, spilled the water, and banged his head on the faucet. He looked all around, but he couldn't see anything. The noise came again, this time a little fainter and from behind the, ventilation blind, the Venetian blind. He raised the blind and looked again. He couldn't see a thing. The terrible noise came again, this time by the mirror. When Mr. Burbank saw what it was, a big mosquito... He grabbed a washcloth and, without thinking of his magic hearing, swatted the mosquito. The bang was horrible. Mr. Burbank hurriedly turned on the warm water and stuck his ear right under the faucet. Whew, what a relief! 
He picked the dead mosquito up by one leg and put it in a waste basket, and then he called to Mrs. Burbank. Hey, Mary, I'm all right now, but I think I'd better go easy with that magic powder in the children's ears if I were you. It's awfully strong. Mrs. Burbank said, perhaps you use too much. Here, I'll measure it out. I'll use a toothpick, and I'll just put a grain or so in the right ear of each child. Come on now, help me. They tiptoed into the children's room and put a toothpick full of the magic powder in each one of the right ear, in each one's right ear. Even in his sleep, Darcy was saying, Miss Anderson, I didn't hear you say, hand me that ruler. I thought you said bananas are cooler. Mr. and Mrs. Burbank looked at their sleeping son and then at each other. Just wait until tomorrow, Darcy, old boy, said Mr. Burbank. The next morning at seven o'clock, Bard came running into his parents' room and said, Mother, Daddy, there's a terrible noise in our room. It sounds like sawing. Mr. and Mrs. Burbank got out of bed, put on their robes, and went in to investigate. They couldn't hear a thing. Darcy said, It isn't that an awful sound, Daddy? Do you think it's a buzzer bomb? Mr. and Mrs. Burbank looked and couldn't see a thing. They couldn't hear anything. Mr. Burbank told the children to get dressed and come down to breakfast. Bard began to cry. He said, We'll come down, Daddy, but you don't have to yell at us. Mr. Burbank said in a very quiet whisper, your hearing must be very good this morning. I didn't yell. In fact, I'm almost whispering. Then he said, Exactly where is the buzzing noise coming from, Darcy? Listen carefully and tell me. Darcy said, Right there by the curtain. Mr. Burbank pulled back the curtain and found a very small fly buzzing in a corner of the window. Remembering his experience with a mosquito, he didn't dare swat the fly. So he opened the window, unlatched the screen, and pushed the fly off the windowsill. It flew happily away. Darcy said, Daddy, I can't stand this awful crunching noise my shoelaces make when I push them through the holes. It sounds like bones breaking. Mr. Burbank said, Here, I have an idea. He tied his handkerchief around Darcy's head like a bandage. This'll fix it, he said. Whistle biscuit, Darcy said. I think you said whistle biscuit. His father jerked the handkerchief off and said, hurry down to breakfast. At breakfast, Allison said, oh, mother, I can't stand the sound of you buttering the toast. It sounds like hoeing on cement. Bard said, hoeing on cement? I thought you said, I thought you said, uh, uh, he took a spoonful of oatmeal and never finished the sentence. A piece of toast popped out of the toaster. All three children jumped. Darcy said, Mother, you should warn us when you're going to make such a noise. Mrs. Burbank said, I'm sorry, but it didn't seem loud to me. I guess my ears aren't very good. Allison said, Come on, boys, let's go to school. Darcy said, I thought you said poison. I mean, I thought you said poison. I mean, oh, I don't know what I mean. Allison said, Old boy's breathing so loud, I can't hear a thing. And does he have to splash his tongue around in his mouth like that, mother? Mrs. Burbank called old boy 
and gave him a piece of bacon. He snapped and gulped, and all three children jumped and shuddered. "'What a noise!' said Allison, glaring balefully at poor old boy. "'He's just like some terrible kind of jungle beast!' Mrs. Burbank said, "'Come, children, put on your coats and go to school,' Allison said. "'Spit on your coats? I thought you said spit on your coats!' Nobody laughed. Darcy said, "'Don't talk so loud, Allison. It hurts my ears!' Bard said, "'Didn't you hear what Mother said?' She didn't say spit on your coat. She said put on your coats. Allison said, I know it. I can hear. Let's go. The front door closed quietly and Mrs. Burbank said to her husband, who was groping for the sugar, that's the first time in five years they haven't banged the front door. Here's the sugar, dear, and you have four minutes before the next bus. Just then the front door opened and the three children came crying into the house. Allison said, "'Mother, we just can't stand it. "'The sidewalk is covered with leaves, "'and when we walk through them, the noise is so dreadful. "'We just can't bear it. "'It sounds like hundreds of giants chopping wood.' "'Bard said, "'It sounds like millions of paper bags,' Darcy said. "'It sounds like thousands of houses burning up. "'Crackle, crackle, crash.' "'Mrs. Burbank said, "'Well, Bernard, I think we'd better wash out their ears, and we'll give Mrs. Pigglewiggle our heartiest thanks. Mr. Burbank said, What's she done wrong? Who? said Mrs. Burbank. Mrs. Pigglewiggle, said Mr. Burbank. What are you talking about? said Mrs. Burbank. I said that we should give Mrs. Pigglewiggle our heartiest thanks. Oh, said Mr. Burbank. I thought you said go give Mrs. Pigglewiggle your heartiest thanks. The children looked disgusted.